0: For the people who have those questions, it's not the microphone. It's my stubbornness.
1: (laughs) That's the answer to most questions. Why is it that way? Because Bridget's stubborn. (laughs) Anyway, moving on.
2: It's time for Arrested DevOps, the podcast where we help you achieve understanding, develop good practices, and operate your team and organization for maximum DevOps awesomeness. I'm Matt Stratton, and co-hosting with me are Trevor Hess, Bridget Krumhop, and Lay. So it's here at the end of 2017, which means it's time to wrap up the year. So this is a special uh, host-only episode with Bridget, Trevor, and myself. And uh, joining and hosting is our pal Joe, who's the -the behind-the-scenes editor and also Attack Kitten Wrangler. The show notes for this episode can be found at ArrestedDevOps.com slash 2017 in review. And first, a word from our sponsors.
3: ChefConf will be held May 23rd through 26th in Chicago. Chef has been a longtime supporter of the DevOps movement and of this podcast. ChefConf will have talks on infrastructure automation with Chef, compliance automation with InSpec, application automation with Habitat, and a ton of other relevant content. Register with discount code ADO2018 to save 10%. Visit chefconf.com for all the details. And remember, code ADO2018 gets you 10% off the ticket price at chefconf.com.
0: GoCD is the on-premise, open-source, continuous delivery server created by ThoughtWorks. With GoCD's comprehensive pipeline modeling, you can model complex workflows for multiple teams with ease. And GoCD's value stream map lets you track a change from commit to deploy at a glance. GoCD's real power is in the visibility it provides over your end-to-end workflow. So you get complete control of and visibility into your deployments across multiple teams. Say goodbye to deployment panic and hello to consistent, predictable deliveries. To learn more about GoCD, visit gocd.org arrested to download. It's completely free to use. Commercial support and enterprise add-ons, including disaster recovery, are available.
2: So as I mentioned before, this is our year-end wrap-up with no ghosts or guests, <laughs> just your peerless hosts. So we're doing two different things this year. One is we're having Joe join us. Uh, Joe, can you tell the audience a bit about yourself and why you agreed to do anything with our silly show?
1: Um, well, I was uh, I was voluntold that I was going to be taking over editing uh, these episodes um, from this person right here. Um, we share, we share a domicile and we share cats and things.
0: Yeah. The, the other cat is howling upstairs. Yeah. I no, We no, what have her to deal take is. a break to check on the cat.
1: She's fine. She'll find her way down here. <laughs> so yeah, I, I'm obviously, you know, with Bridget and I, I kind of travel around with her. So she was like, Hey, you're not busy.
0: <laughs> Edit these episodes. So. And what Joe isn't telling you is he's actually an AV professional. So I strategically um, started dating a cute tech theater boy in 1997. Turns out highly strategic for my job. Who knew?
2: You're playing the long game there. <laughs> <laughs> right? yes.
0: um, time travel. It's real. Yeah. Uh, the other new thing we did is go to you, the listeners, to propose or have, have you propose questions that you'd like us to answer. So we'll get to those in a little bit.
2: So the first thing we wanted to do, uh, as we do in, in all of our um, year-end wrap-ups or year-end review episodes, is kind of go back and think about our favorite episodes of the year. So Bridget, uh, what were some of your favorite episodes?
0: Well, I really enjoyed the live recordings we did at go to Chicago. They were super fun. And I also love the fact that Besides the, you know, bigger multiple hosts um, at conference with audience type scenes, we also did a number of one-on-one fireside chats, and I always really like
2: those, too. Trevor, what about you?
3: I really enjoyed the Twitter banner around getting that live call show with Dr. Nicole Green going, and I was really sad I had to miss it. Uh, there's also a ChefConf episode that's sitting on my surface that I finally found the charger for after all the moving and shuffling of, that happened for me this year. And so I'm looking forward to getting that cut together and uh, getting that out. Thanks. Matt, what about you?
2: Yeah, so uh, I have to agree, uh, actually, with both of you in, in in different ways. So one is, yeah, the live call-in show with uh, with Dr. Nicole Forsgren was was one of my favorites. It's it's always great when she's on the show, and it was kind of a joint uh, effort with uh, with Food Fight, and so it was really fun. And and so what happened is. Br- chair it was a DevOps track chair for go to Chicago and for the for one of the days the entire track was going to be recording a rest of DevOps episodes with people who had spoken in that track. And you know Bridget said, hey it's in Chicago, you want to come host them with me. And I was like well that's easy enough. I can and when we we're kind of putting together the schedule of what we were going to do I said well you know should we kind of build in like maybe I'll do one of the episodes maybe you'll take one episode as a break because this is going to be a long day. Bridget's like nah <laughs> fuck that. (laughs) We're just going through. And we did. And it was exhausting. Yeah. I'm never doing Uh, that
0: again. When people are like, we'll do it live. Never, never try to record six podcast episodes in a row.
2: (laughs) It got, it got really silly uh, towards the end. That's for sure. (laughs) Uh, And then finally, uh, recently in episode 97, which was the fireside chat with J Paul Reed, uh, I put that kind of on my list because Paul and I have been trying to do that episode for literally years. <laughs> we finally did it, but I think it was also a really good show. Uh, we t- talked about a lot that we haven't talked about necessarily uh, in the show, so I, I check it out. Um, yeah, Joe, did you have anything you loved or hated? Or
1: uh, well, speaking as the yeah. person that has to edit these things, I always really like <laughs> the
2: the live episodes
1: because they're because everybody's in the same room everybody gets visual cues So when they're done talking there are less awkward pauses to edit out they're usually the fastest episodes to get out the door um are the ones where everybody's kind of in a room everybody's looking at each other those are those are always fun and plus they're usually in interesting places like toronto and madison and uh you know (laughs) so i get to go to these i go to get these places and hang out and and uh and see cool things like you know my favorite cities in canada
0: that's true. That's true. I guess we'll have to make it to Vancouver for one of these. Yeah. So let's talk numbers for 2017.
2: Yeah. yeah. So uh, it's always kind of fun to look at uh, at some of our, our statistics. Uh, and it's fun, not necessarily telling, but as we always talk about in measurement in DevOps, it's not really about the number. It's about that the needle is moving in the direction you want it to be. So for example, we had uh, about 22,000 visitors to our website in 2017, which is up from about 16,000 visitors in 2016. So that's if I know anything about what number is bigger than the other, <laughs> that's more this year than last year. Um still about uh half of our traffic comes from search, which I think is pretty good. So, you know, I mean I think if you search for DevOps podcast, we rank pretty high and I don't really know what else The funny thing is I still see people finding us by searching for arrested DevOps. And I'm like, it's the name of the site. (laughs) Like who is Googling arrested? I don't know, whatever. Um, what's kind of cool is we do get, we do get inbound links, uh, from several places. Twitter is still the biggest one. About 6% of all of our traffic comes from tweets. Um, and, uh, we still are getting, you know, in the range of 1% coming from stuff like, uh, make use of there's a lot of websites uh it's you know as everybody knows listicles are a really easy way to do content and uh being someone who looks at inbound links to a podcast i can tell you that uh lists of popular devops oriented podcasts is a really popular post to put on your website and we're always on it and we're usually at the top because the alphabet um (laughs) and i swear we didn't even do that on purpose but it worked out pretty well so sorry um you know to the Zeta Max, uh, podcast deluxe. You guys uh, are always at the bottom. Um, so if we think about our, uh, episodes and, uh, one thing is, you know, I always like to say that there's three kinds of lies, lies, damn lies, and podcast listen statistics. Cause <laughs> what we really, the only thing we really can know is how many times an episode was downloaded, which doesn't mean anybody listened to it. And uh, maybe they listened to it like 10 times. Correct. Now, one thing that's interesting is Apple just very, very recently, um, so much so that we don't really have a lot of data on it, but we'll probably have some stuff next year. So watch for the 2018 wrap up um, there. Uh, if you use the latest version of iOS or, or, or Mac OS, and the podcast app, it actually reports back to us. We can know just like if you look in YouTube, how many minutes it was listened to. And, and what's kind of cool as I was looking and I'm seeing that the more recent episodes, people are listening to the whole thing, which is nice. Talking about the number of listens uh, in 2017, we had about 263,000 listens, which was up by about 30,000 listens from 2016, which itself was up by about 30,000 listens from 2015. So Every year, there's about thirty thousand more listens to our to an ep, to each episode. So, I that probably means a thing. There's probably some SEO guru that can tell you what it means, but I just know that it's cool, and we're coming close to a million overall. I think we're at about three quarter of a million uh, episode downloads right now. Um, so, our most listened to episode in 2017, and also our most watched YouTube video was Old Geeks Yell at Cloud with Andrew Clay Schaefer and Brian Cantrell, which is at <laughs> ArrestedDevOps.com slash Yelling at Cloud. I would like to point out that last year's, last year, Brian's episode was also our most watched video. So I think <laughs> that means we need to have Brian on the show once a month and hike up the sponsorship rates for any episode that Brian is on. Guy gets the clicks. What can you say? He does. Ooh. I mean, it's clickbait. Brian Cantrell clickbait. Um <laughs> We talk about updates to the website. So, if you listen to last year's uh, wrap up show, we are in review. I said, Hey, we had Daniel J. Lewis from Audacity to Podcast do this whole review of how we could make our website and stuff better. And I made this huge list of it. Yeah, we didn't do any of those things, <laughs> um, but we did disable comments. So, if you want to talk about request. the show to us, by Rick, yes, it's fine. Nobody was really using them anyway. And it just keeps it from being toxic. And, you know, why risk it? talk to us on Twitter. We like Twitter. So yeah.
1: Why do, why do websites even have comment sections?
0: They should not.
1: I mean, just stickiness. YouTube comments. Exactly. I don't know if you guys have YouTube comments
2: enabled for this. <laughs> anyways, we do, but there's not a lot of, it hasn't been a thing yet. So <laughs> yeah, I think they do it for stickiness, right? Like so that you leave a comment and then people come back to like, see if people reply to them and stuff. But for us, we don't really care because it's not like we have ads on the page. Um, so it doesn't really Plus, do anything for us.
0: To be honest, you're the only person who would probably reply to anything. I am. I, I
2: generally don't. To these things. <laughs> I, I saw more that people reply to the the guests themselves. I mean, you know, but, but again, that's why we, why there's Twitter. So, uh, Hey Bridget, what did you do this year in 2017?
0: <laughs> well, um, I got a new job back in September uh, doing a uh, dev advocacy at Microsoft. And I kept scaling DevOps stays up with the help of you and a bunch of other fine folks. Um, we had 51 events on six continents, which is not a small conference series. And I also, unrelated to that, did way less conference speaking and was on more conference program committees. And I think that's mostly the, 29 conference talks in 2016 was far too many. I haven't counted 2017 yet, but it was definitely less than half that. So um yeah, that's that's pretty much the what's new with me this year. How about you?
2: So I also got a new job, but it was I was gonna say it was a lot more recently, but nah, not really. I mean it was like a couple of weeks ago. Um, but yeah, so uh, as of the beginning of December, I uh, am a DevOps evangelist at PagerDuty. So um, I guess this means that Trevor is going to come to PagerDuty in a year or two. Sorry, Jeff. Just kidding. Um, but it's pretty, I'm very excited. I'm uh, working with Eric Sigler, if you, you know him from the circuit. And uh, what it kind of boiled down to is I realized a lot of things I was doing in my spare time are now my job, which is pretty rad. And uh, PagerDuty has always had a special place in my heart. Uh, PagerDuty is one of the first sponsors of this show. Work with them a lot on DevOps days. Shouldn't say them. Work with us. That sounds weird now. Uh, So it's 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 pretty cool to be there. Um, Plus, it means I get to go to San Francisco uh, a bunch. Uh, I uh,
0: and you fly United out of Chicago, right? Yeah, you probably have a better experience than I have at SFO with Delta they have like eight gates and it's just sadness and that Paris place you get really sick of.
2: Well, the thing is, and like my boss pointed this out, like no matter what your status is flying out of SFO, you're never getting upgraded because everybody in SFO in San Francisco is like double secret probation platinum. (laughs) You know, it doesn't matter. You're not getting there. And you know, so I'm just going to have to deal with that, but it's okay. But it's not as big of a deal flying out of Chicago. Um, yeah, I only, as far as I know, this is bad that I can remember. I spoke at DevOps Days Denver, but I think that might have been the only talk I did this year. Oh, I talked at ChefConf. Oh, shit. Yeah. Whoops, that was bad. Okay, I also gave a talk at ChefConf. Um, obviously, it was memorable to me.
0: <laughs> you got to get that lost episode from a DevOps Days Chicago and or ChefConf up.
2: Yeah, I know, right? Um, yeah, and I went to DevOps Days Hartford, which was cool. It was the first one that they've done. I, I, I've said before, I love going to first DevOps Days. It's The energy is so interesting. Everyone is losing their mind, but it's always so exciting, and you never recapture that again in your event, certain parts of that. Like, other things get better, but that first feeling is never the same. Um, Hartford did a great job um it's an interesting community up there a lot of uh, organizations you wouldn't expect to see interested in devops show up um went to minneapolis well-oiled machine blah 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 <laughs> you know whatever it was fine um it was a fantastic event though you know it's always always great uh the the Setting the setting the uh the bar high for all of us. And then I went to DevOps States Madison, which was super fun for me and Joe and Bridget, because none of us had anything to do there except go and show up. Yes. Yeah, because it's Yeah. It was cool. It was like, let's just talk. And oh wait, we weren't even even sitting
1: at the we weren't even sitting
2: at the booth. I know. You're like, oh, you mean you don't have to run off and do something? Oh, cool. So, yeah, and uh, I pulled off an acceptable DevOps stage Chicago. So that was pretty good. What about you, Trevor? What did you do this year?
3: Uh, Well, I wrapped up my first year at Chef. Uh, uh, Currently no plans of going to PagerDuty, Matt. Um, (laughs) But it was first year at Chef, uh, four continents, five if you count that New Zealand is technically on its own continent of Zealandia now. Wait, what? Uh, (laughs) Wait, wait,
0: yeah. Is this like a Pluto's not a planet anymore? Now we have new continents. Yeah. When did this happen?
3: It was uh, twenty sixteen. I think it was twenty either twenty fifteen or twenty sixteen. Zealandia is its own continent off of Australia.
0: Wait, so there's so there's eight continents.
3: (laughs) I don't think we have time for geography lessons. On but but this 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 affects all
0: of the bragging of the DevOps (laughs) days. Yes. I can't make jokes about like we just have Every Antarctica to go to. I think this is something that, and that, wait, I think there's there's something about in Wellington. So I guess we're okay. Yeah, I think this is something that the yeah. Kiwis just decided.
2: Yeah, <laughs> no one else is excited. No, it's like the mouse that roared. Right? No, no one else is. Is a branding excited.
0: thing? Like people excited? <laughs> like, people got sick of Lord of the Rings. Yeah, tourism. they're no longer
3: Middle yeah. Earth. Yeah. <laughs> well, no, I mean, Amazon might bring Middle Earth back to New Zealand. Wait, they're going to put H two in New Zealand.
1: Now, Amazon's might be doing a Lord of the Rings TV show because that oh. hasn't been run into the ground enough. <laughs> Thanks,
2: Joe. I thought um, I thought you were going to say Amazon might be doing it's a new TV show, <laughs> which could very well be. You could have a whole show that's just rumors of what Amazon might be doing. <laughs> <laughs>
3: okay, or right, it'd be, be a great that, yes. <laughs> <laughs> We could go down this loophole f- or wormhole for hours, I'm sure. But um, I'm
0: already picturing the reality TV show that's just the H2, like, you know, competition between yeah. cities.
2: <laughs> well, the good thing oh, is God. that in, in <laughs> previous year-end reviews, Bridget gets really, really bored when I get into the intricacies of podcasting. And we don't have to do it because we did that in the episode with Paul Reed. (laughs) Paul and I, if you've listened to it, it goes we talk about podcasting for a few minutes and I say, I swear to God we're done talking about podcasting. And then we do it for like 10 more minutes. I'll admit that we to
0: listen to it and I did bounce (laughs) out when you started talking about podcasting.
2: (laughs) Just 30 seconds, Skip, like go about 20 minutes in and then it actually we start talking about, um, oh man what's the phrase? I'm going to get it. Kefemin, Kefemin Framework complexity. I don't know. There's actually a whole lot of interesting stuff after the podcasting part. As well yeah, you know, they, they, I, also, I also
0: don't really groove on the like swirly chart thing. So <laughs> maybe I'll just ah, calm blue ocean. We
3: kinda we kind of avoided doing the podcast in the green room before the show this time too. That's true. We,
2: we did. We're just sort of doing it during because that's the whole show. So mostly uh, because
3: we had to
0: fix your audio issues. Yeah, project for Trevor. Well, project for Trevor. You have to turn the volume up.
3: <laughs> well, yeah, the, that's the lovely thing about my microphone is there's no indication on which way it goes, and it's been so long since I've used this microphone, I didn't remember.
0: <laughs> oh yes, the green room thing that everyone missed is Joe has decided that yep. this is a whiskey podcast.
2: Yep, whiskey ops. Right. Um, Sorry, so you
3: any change change this change year.
0: Change
3: uh, I also spoke at DevOps Days Dallas. Um and I moved back to Chicago.
0: Were you living in California or something?
2: I, well, I his, his stuff was his stuff was in California. <laughs> he was living on airplanes. Right. Yeah. <laughs> in I mean, hotels.
3: According to uh according to American Airlines, I spent something like three weeks on a plane this year. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Okay, so wait you're you're an American loyalist, but you live in Chicago. Is it Chicago, American?
2: American is it's it's one or the other. It's it's American hub too. You pick one or the other in Chicago. Usually it's American or United. So I I found everyone, everyone
0: always says United. So I didn't even know American was a big thing there.
2: So I looked at both. I tried both, and what I sort of determined is that the seats on United are, and maybe it's in my head, but they're about half an inch wider, it seems like, and that makes a difference to me.
3: Yeah, so. but the biggest difference for me is I get upgraded on, like, three-quarters of my flights.
2: Well, that doesn't matter because you're American. That's because you flew all of that on American. <laughs> if you'd flown <laughs> that much on United, it would still be the same thing.
3: I thought you had to pay for your upgrades on, on United either way.
2: Uh, no.
0: Oh, we could we could go down the airline, the chasing <laughs> airline status rabbit on. hole forever. <laughs> like, Honestly, I only made platinum for 2018. I did not make diamond, and I'm totally okay with this because that means I spent less time on planes. I
2: right. only made gold for 2018, which is fine because I only made silver for 2017, which again, to Bridges' point, means I spent a lot less time on planes. That being said, I'm pretty I much expecting by. for 10K for 2019 from what I understand my job <laughs> is going to look like this year. So
3: I stand by what I said last year. Airline status is the best worst thing.
2: You stole I stand that by, from what, Irving.
0: Yeah, I stand by what no, I said, I'm, which is gamification of poor life choices. Yeah. <laughs> but anyways, Although you move back to be Chicago, Trevor. So you yes. live in the same part of
3: Chicago. I don't know anything about Chicago. so uh, I'm in the suburbs right now, but eventually I will find a more permanent source of residency. <laughs>
2: <laughs> a source of it. A location. <laughs>
3: Are you in the adjacent to where Stratton keeps his stuff when he's in Chicago uh, or other? Uh, about a half hour, 45 minutes away, depending on traffic.
2: Tre- Trevor lives closer to me than he lives to you. <laughs> <So>.
3: <laughs> I, how long does it take us to drive to Chicago,
0: honey?
1: It's about seven hours.
0: Yeah. You know, uh, what? how does it go? Like it's no, it something miles to Chicago. It's dark. We're wearing sunglasses. Like you got a full tank of gas, half a pack of cigarettes. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Mm-hmm. No, it can't be that long because that only Isn't takes it like us like eight or Minnesota. nine hours to get to up north in Minnesota. Yeah, it's like five and a half, right?
0: So, like the last hour and a half is usually horrible traffic at the <laughs> yeah. It's the usually Chicago because
2: you're it's, trying to get into the city,
1: so that's it's, the, it's yeah. bumper to bumper. You know, going through toll booths and not
0: to your right. northern suburb enclave of mm. happiness. No, we're talking like <laughs> Wacker Drive.
1: Yeah, this right. is this is going to the going to the Swiss Hotel. Where right. Go right. to Chicago was which is like right right across the street and down the block from the from the Trump Hotel or yeah. the Trump building in Chicago.
3: Oh, that's not fun. Mm.
1: No, it, that was quite a sight to walk out to when going to go get donuts or something. <laughs> <laughs> well,
2: None I'm of us are happy to about to it my, either.
3: My now annual pilgrimage to Lake Minnelax up in Minnesota to go ice fishing. That's coming up soon. Oh, nice! And there will probably actually be ice. I mean, that's yeah. helpful. Typically,
2: yeah. <laughs> well, and we I have our still
3: works, but it's colder. Yeah.
2: yeah, we've decided our our family summer vacation from now on. You know, we did it once, and we've decided that now will be the tradition until you know the end of time. But yeah, is is going up to Brainerd, so we already already are set. So
0: the Lake Country is really nice.
2: It's it's nice up there and. We decided we're going to because it's a really long drive to do both ways. So the way back, we're going to break up in Minneapolis at the Mall of America and just but spend the night, you know, like yeah. drive there, let the kids go to the mall and all that. So we did that last year, but we only stopped for lunch. But so didn't they, didn't
1: they
0: attach some new hotels to the mall? Yeah,
1: there's a blue and now, now there's the JW Marriott, which is yeah. is on the other side of the mall from the blue. Yeah, it's
2: supposedly super super nice. I haven't been inside. Hope so. I just booked a room in it yesterday. For then, so we'll see. So hey, listeners, fascinating stuff, right?
3: Mm. Um, Hey, wait, wait, wait! Before we get to that part. Oh, geez. Yeah, Joe, what did you do this year?
1: (laughs) Well, unlike all y'all, I did not change jobs. (laughs) Well, Trevor didn't change jobs either. He recently started a job. In fact, in October, I hit 20 years at my current employer. Um, which is both awesome and kind of
0: sad. Um, I think. Well, first of all, they've changed their name and ownership several times.
2: It's it's, so it's like company. you don't have
0: to get a different job. It just Ooh. keeps changing.
2: Everything's changed, but it Joe changes around. <laughs> that's
1: right. Uh, we traveled way less, which was which was nice. Which meant I I got to actually do my actual job for a from good chunk time of the year, time from time to time. Um, but we did go to we went to Iceland, which was which was fun can recommend
0: oh yeah we um, celebrated our 20th anniversary back in march and wow, so congratulations we, yeah we decided, 1997
1: was a weird year
0: yeah, we decided to go hiking on a glacier mm-hmm. and the glacier was That's very so melty because it
1: was it was march it poured down rain that day <laughs> i was i was That's wetter so than i have ever been
0: yeah it was like in our boots mm-hmm. half the glacier was in our boots yeah
1: yep and uh we did a cross country road trip uh, in the magic space boat we took that out to seaside oregon did Back you say the... space boat yeah well this is the you have is to go look like, up
2: like a, a space airplane? boat like that flies no, in outer no you have space. to go look
1: up the the uh, the oatmeal cartoon that he did about the tesla and he referred to it as a as a magic space boat
2: okay
0: so we can put a link in the show notes
1: yeah so we we had a bridget's one of bridget's old coworkers was getting married in washington so we decided to road trip it rather than fly and then we decided to go to the coast, just because
0: so that was eleven days on the road, yeah so plans on writing a blog post perhaps i've been
2: I've been told I have to
0: about cross country you, you see how you see how a lot of these things, things go
2: I, I, I was just going to say I'm sensing a theme of, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yep, yeah. but
1: yeah, that was that was probably the the Iceland trip and the and the the electric car road trip are probably the highlights. Oh, and DevOps Stays Minneapolis. Blah,
0: blah, 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 DevOps Minneapolis was pretty great.
1: So and I, I we remember
0: did a lot asking, of escape rooms too. Hmm. I think we did like I don't know. We should probably Many. count those up. That's another blog post. Rate all the escape rooms.
2: Yeah. Well, you should do one. So one of my uh, my pals from the old swing dancing days actually runs an escape room that's just down the street from where I live. That yes. I went and did for the first time. You know, we went and did for the first time uh, a while ago, and it's it's pretty good. Does a really good job. One of the rooms is all uh, Trevor. You would love it. Um, especially, but it's, uh, it's all game. It's actually game themed. So it's not only games. It's like you're in a room full of games and the games give clues, but then there's video game clues to it and board game clues to it. It's, it's really cool. Can't really tell you much more about it, but you should, uh, yeah, it's called clued in escape rooms and there's, they probably have a website. So Google it. We'll maybe put a link in the show notes and give uh, Brian a, a shout out. So. Tell him Arrested DevOps sent you and he'll have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> so should we get into this uh, ask us anything that we're willing to answer section of the show? Yes. So I want to get, before we get started, um, so I got this idea um, specifically from uh, the GoTime podcast. So they're on, uh, I'll put the link in the show notes. I just forgot the name of their, the changelog, right? Anyway, GoTime, Go Time FM. Uh great podcast about Go and they did an episode a while ago which by the was, way,
0: two of the hosts, two of the three hosts are
2: work like at Microsoft.
0: Microsoft. They're, yep. they're my recently, bloggers, like, recently
2: like, on my actual team. Oh yeah. They're they're both recent. Yep. To Eric and group.
0: Brian both work on the same team as me at Microsoft. Yeah, it's awesome.
2: But yeah, they did like kind of an AMA episode, which actually mostly turned out to be talking about barbecue. Uh we'll put a link in the show notes probably. <laughs> if we remember to do that. Uh, but I thought I was like, wow, that seems like a really fun idea to do for our hundredth episode, which is the end of the year episode of 2017, by the way. So this is like the four, four years we've been doing this show. Me and Trevor did our first episode, the beginning of December of 2013. Um, and it's, it's good for a laugh to go back and listen to. So if you go to rest slash one, you can listen to it and you can, you know, listen to us talk about all the things we're never going to do on the show, which we totally do. So anyway, so we put out there and people uh, sent us. The, zero? What's that? Did you pull down episode zero zero? Uh, it's on YouTube if you know where to look for it. <laughs> There's an episode called episode zero zero. That's me and Trevor on a hangout for about two and a half minutes figuring out how hangouts it work. It's
3: like 20 minutes.
2: <laughs> OK, anyway. <laughs> For this part, we asked you, the listeners, to just ask questions that you might have about DevOps, about our jobs, about things we're interested in. And uh, we would answer them if we want to, (laughs) which is our way of saying we reserve the right to, you know, if someone wants to ask something too personal, which I was really pleased that nobody did, which was cool. Thanks, y'all, for, you know. Exceeding our expectations. Okay. Like, Having I boundaries. Yeah, right?
0: That, that said, of course, we can't get to absolutely everything, yeah. but we're going to try.
2: So if we don't answer your question, it's not because we thought it was inappropriate. It was just we we just don't have enough time. So, And we decided we would have Joe ask the questions because... Yes. As usual, we just, apparently, we're all taking a cue from Bridget, and when something needs to get done, we just tell Joe to do it. Tell Joe to do it, yes. <laughs> so we just say, Joe, just, why don't you just do this?
1: Yep, yep. I am so. I'm, I'm Judy, your time-life operator, and I'll be, I'll be asking questions. All right, so we got uh, two questions from a listener at Undead Ops. Oh, my.
2: Um, first. <laughs> Wait, before you go any further, this reminds me so much of the uh, – uh, Dr. Horrible sing along blog when he's reading the questions, and one of the people who writes into him is called Dead Not Sleeping. <laughs> and when I saw that, that's what it made me think of. So, okay.
1: Well, I will not be bursting in the song. Nobody yes. wants to hear that. Um,
2: so. That, oh, I was going to say next year's year so end wrap up will be the musical episode. Will
0: be the musical episode? I mean, to be fair, Joe has okay. actually performed in theatrical musicals as a lead singing like. Unlike me, who should not sing, uh, yeah. he,
2: he can sing. I think Trevor, yeah, I was going to say, Trevor will do all the singing. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so you would oh, be you. Sarah Michelle Geller in the... No, no, I'm
2: going to be Allison Hannigan.
0: <laughs> <laughs> there we go. <laughs> all right.
1: All right. So Undead Ops uh, asks, Intrigued by a day in the life of a developer advocate, uh what does that look like? How does it differ between companies for those that hold similar positions with other companies? And since we do have two uh developer advocates on the uh on the line right now, I figure we can ask them. So take it away, developer advocates.
0: I think we should start with Stratton since he's newest to it, so he can have a good compare contrast.
2: Sure. So I can tell you what I think my job is. Uh the thing that's interesting right now is um because I'm very new to it and the role is, is kind of nebulous. Um, we're still figuring it out, but I can tell you the kinds of things that I'm intending to do. The, the, the main, there's kind of a three pronged kind of approach. And in the case of when we look at evangelism, um,
0: do we, within, me point of order, by the way, you're not knocking on people's doors and asking them if they've heard the good news about page beauty.
2: Oh, my God. My my, my stepmom <laughs> thinks this is the most hilarious title. You have to ever. get
0: that title fixed. Seriously. Yeah. It's so embarrassing.
2: It, well, it's, you know, it's what people are expecting. Um, so, hey, you know, it's it goes back to Guy Kawasaki and that's a pretty good lineage. I'll, I'll accept <laughs> the the idea is is at, at one point it's kind of um, being able to. Uh, help grow the community, help support the community, the user base of that um, in terms of understanding how can the product be made better. And I look at that from a two uh, bi-directional approach. So it's the ability to communicate things uh, to the community and to the existing customer base that they might not be aware of, of to how they can grow with the product, but then also being able to because of spending time with the people that actually have their boots on the ground or that are actually using the products, be able to bring that back into our product teams and have conversations around it. And one of the reasons that this is actually specifically really kind of challenging with PagerDuty in the first part is it's really hard to do feature discovery in a product that you use during a firefight, right? So if you're in PagerDuty, you're in there because shit's on fire, yo, you don't want, like, a little pop-up going, hey, did you know about this new feature? You <laughs> want to be like, dude, get the fuck out of my way. I have to solve this incident. So, you know, uh, kind of working through this advocacy as a way to help be able to communicate and looking at different ways to to express new features, new ideas as they happen. We also look at how um, becoming subject matter experts, or again, as much as I make hay of making of laughing at the term, but, you know, being a thought leader... In the areas that we're experts in, PagerDuty is around incident response, around mortem, and being able to say, okay, how do we develop practices that are good for that, work them internally ourselves, and then when we've got the rough edges sanded off, be able to share them with the community and then actually build practice around it, none of which is necessarily inherently part of our product, right? It doesn't mean like, oh, you have to use PagerDuty to be able, you know, an example of this, if you've looked at the instant command structure that PagerDuty espouses, you don't have to use PagerDuty to do that, right? It's easy, right? And we'd like you to, but you don't have to. And giving
0: some good conference talks and workshops on that.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And and most of them you'll see are actually about how we do things at PagerDuty ourselves. They're not how to use PagerDuty, To be an incident commander it's here's how we do incident command and that dovetails nicely into the other piece of 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 this advocacy which is um going and speaking at trade shows and conferences to kind of and and even that isn't even just giving a formal talk i see it as participating in things like open spaces and discussions to get the conversation going and, and get some understanding both spreading the again all, all joking aside, spreading the good news, right? But, but also hearing what people have to say and figuring out how to have those conversations. So those are some of the things. Um, right now, my job is a lot of, I have two ears and one mouth, and I'm just talking to everybody within the company that I can to understand what they do so that I can help with that message. And uh, I think Bridget's a little further in her, her role, so she might have a little more maturity around what she actually does uh, day-to-day than I do.
0: I mean that you're pretty much describing it like if if you're an advocate you're not um rolling up uh like as part of sales or marketing so much as you are the voice of the customer inside the company you're the voice of the end user so you need to understand the communities of practice that are using um the you know software that you're advocating for and then you need to go back and talk inside the company to people who might be in product or docs or whatever to make sure that the way people are trying to use it and the way people hopefully are trying to understand it or maybe even contribute to it is getting listened to. So I see advocacy very much as advocating for the customer inside the organization so that the customer or the end user of the open source software gets what they, you know, hopefully are aiming for.
2: And, and I think it's uh, you made an interesting point there where you said, you know, advocacy doesn't roll up to sales or marketing. That's not always true, I mean, it but can, I
0: but it doesn't
2: it doesn't seem goal, to work. That's not
0: well. really that's not really what the goal often yeah. is because the goal is making sure that the uh, end user's voice is heard.
2: Um, bro- something bro- bro- I just want to throw a plug in there. I don't know if there's a link for the pre-release of it, but Mary Thangvall is writing a book about developer advocacy. Um, that's going to be on a press. So I'll try to remember to find the link for that. If you want to learn more about that, the library of Congress recommends um, reading her book when she's done writing it. (laughs) All right. So
1: now we're going to move into uh, kind of a, two people asked a similar question and this one is specifically at Bridget Uh, undead ops asks, uh, grew up really disliking everything Microsoft did word. And now I've been liking the new direction, but it's a challenge. How did you come to terms with, quote, I'm working for Microsoft? And uh, a similar question from Michael Hedgepath. Uh Bridget, being at Microsoft now, what aspects of Microsoft's culture and Azure offerings would you like to see grow to be more amenable to DevOps practices you've seen in the broader industry? So take it away, Microsoft girl.
0: <sighs> so it's... It's pretty funny that I work for Microsoft now because I've literally never owned a Windows machine. And one of the questions I asked them when I interviewed was if I needed to Windows now because I was like, I don't Windows. So and they said, no, it's not about that. Um, Microsoft issued me a Mac. I, I literally have the the Mac that we're running this podcast off of. Um, so I can't pull it out and show it to you. But it uh, ha- I have a Mac with a Microsoft asset tag on it. And my job is uh, Linux and containers advocacy on Azure. So it's basically, it's a very different Microsoft than the one that we were all kind of cranky with in the 90s. And I think it's important to realize that organizations that have been around for a while, like I worked at Pivotal before and we had a lot of uh, customers that worked at 100-year-old banks and whatnot. And it's like organizations that have been around for a while are going to change a lot over time. And if you can join them at the right time and help shape some of that change, it's pretty exciting. And that's really where Microsoft is right now. And in terms of like the the culture and the offerings in Azure, I'm pretty excited about the fact that Microsoft Microsoft is not just following, but is also leading in this space in terms of like the work they're doing with you know um, Kubernetes and Azure Container Instances and a bunch of stuff in like the function space the sort of thing that people get excited about is things that we have active development and active hacking happening on. Like we had a bunch of people from um, the team that I'm on uh, the um, some of the uh, like Eric St. Martin from the go time FM podcast and Jesse Frizzell who's been on this podcast before. And she's of course well-known in other circles as well. Um, and our boss Brian Liston all descended upon Austin before KubeCon just to do a bunch of hacking on you know our offerings in that space. Um, so the virtual kubelet is like you know an open source project that we have people from the advocacy team and other teams inside Microsoft actively working in open sourcing. So I, I don't know if that kind of communicates that it's definitely a different Microsoft than the one that we all thought Microsoft was, but. It's. I think it's nice and it's exciting to see that this is a company that has a, you know, a lot of open source contributions and a lot of exciting momentum in this space. I don't know if that answers the questions or not. But what do you think, as um, moderator?
1: <laughs> you said a lot of words. <laughs> no, you're fine. All right. Um, moving on uh, from listener JJ Ashgar, friend of the show, I believe. Right, Trotten?
2: Yeah, uh, he's been on the show. We did yeah. a, we did an episode with Violin. him a while ago. He works at Chef, so he's worked with uh, worked with me. Works with
1: Trevor. That's why the name sounded familiar. Cool cat. All right. So, uh, yeah. what's the best audiobook to listen to on a plane? Since we have we've got a collection of of Road Warriors here. Uh, what are you guys listening to on the plane?
0: Uh, best plane listening: Dulcet Tones of Michael Cote. Um, multiple podcasts, podcasts to choose from. You can listen to the Pivotal Conversations podcast or Software-Defined Talk or the Software-Defined Talk Members-Only White Paper Exegesis Podcast. It's, it's a very long name. Um, you have a lot of choices.
2: That's that's called the We Are Contributed to You on Patreon episode, <laughs> podcast, right? Absolutely. I think.
0: Yeah, It's very entertaining. Um, yeah. So I, I say Kote's podcasts are great for playing because soothing voice and if you uh, – fall asleep and then want to listen to it again later, you'll still enjoy it.
2: Similar. Yeah. I always find that for me, I don't, I don't listen to podcasts as much on planes. And I think it's for that reason that I need to listen to something that I don't mind if I fall asleep. Cause again, the best case scenario for me on the plane is that I sit down, put my headphones on, close my eyes. And next thing I know, I'm on the other runway at the other city. Right. Um, Actually, what usually happens is I wake up just as soon as the drink cart has passed me, but that's another story. So, I, so what I do with audiobooks is I tend, and I really love audiobooks, um, and I fall asleep listening to them at home, too, or in a hotel, like just when I'm going to bed. So I, I have a whole thing around falling asleep to books. Uh, but when I do that is I pick books that I either already know, maybe it's a book I've read, but I want to hear the audio version, or that I don't mind missing, so just some casual fiction. One thing I've learned to do, though, first of all, is, you know, set the sleep timer so that if you do fall asleep, it doesn't go on for hours and you miss it. And I always set a little bookmark in the Audible app when I start it. So if I fall asleep right away, I know where to go back. Um, I've been re-listening to um, the, uh, the uh, Ender's Shadow, the Shadow series by Orson Scott Card, which I'm conflicted because he's such a prick, the author. But... I really, really like the books um and they're they're really well done and again, since i've read them they're easy to listen to. Um, I cannot recommend enough the audiobook version of the goal it's done like a radio play, which is really fun uh with lots of different actors doing your different you know different uh, narrators doing all the different characters and uh i'm I'm working my way through the stand. I think it's about seventeen months long to listen to. <laughs> But that's what I can't listen to when I'm going to fall asleep because I want to listen to it. So that also, it means I listen, you know, so that's not a good choice for that. Um, but I would, I would agree. I think Software Defined Talk is probably a fine, fine podcast to listen to on, on the plane. Uh, Trevor?
3: So I, I also tend not to listen to audiobooks or podcasts on a plane because I like to be doing, like if, if I'm capable of doing something, I like to be doing something. And so lately Audiobook has taken the form of Nintendo switch. <laughs> uh, and so I'm playing through Zelda or Mario or one of the many independent titles that are now on the switch. Um, I usually listen to audiobooks in the car actually, because mm-hmm. then I'm, I know I'm not going to fall asleep and I also can't do <laughs> anything else with my hands. Um, like I literally can't do anything else with my hands, but drive. So. <laughs> um so when I am listening to an audiobook, I also recommend the goal because the 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 full cast version is fantastic. That was I actually went out of my way driving to keep listening to that one. Um, and uh, the The Odyssey One series by Evan Curry is also something I've really enjoyed. It's this uh, it's humanity has built its first uh, faster than light spaceship. And they go out on their first mission and they find a distress signal. Hmm. And it goes from there.
2: There's a, Oh man, I got to look and see what it's. So I, I always start reading series because somebody makes some random reference in like a, a discussion thread. Cause someone's like, you know, wouldn't it be weird if in the future, blah, blah, blah. And someone's like, that was the premise of this book. And I'm like, that sounds cool. <laughs> I should listen to it or I should read it. And so the one I'm, so the book is called, um, the first book in the series, and I don't remember what the series is called. The first book in the series is called um, The Shadow of the Torturer. Um, it's the, uh, it's a four volume thing, but it's like about something in the future. And basically, I guess the spoiler, which isn't much of a spoiler, is it's, you know, future Earth, but you don't know it's future Earth. It's like, you bastard, you was Earth all along, but, you know, you, <laughs> you just destroyed it. <laughs> you maniacs yeah um but hopefully a little more interesting than that. Uh the
3: other one I listened to is uh Game of Thrones but and unfortunately the the, the person who's been narrating most of the audiobooks recently passed away. Yeah, Roy Dotrice. Yeah. So unfortunately he won't be narrating the the closing books should they ever <laughs> if they ever come out. Yeah. I was reading something on Wikipedia yesterday
1: about how he says Winds of Winter might come in 2018 or 2019. I swear. Or 20-never. Or 20-never, right. Yeah. Yeah. Brandon Sanderson better bone up on his Game of Thrones because he might be finishing that series.
0: (laughs) Did we go see him speak in, like, 2008? Yes.
1: We saw him at at ValleyCon in scenic Fargo, North Dakota.
0: I want to say it was 2008.
1: Tiny little, tiny little sci-fi convention. He was also at uh, OddCon in Madison, like the year before. But tiny little Fargo, North Dakota, got George Harbaugh mm-hmm. to show up, and
0: and Peter Joseph, which and, was and pretty and cool.
1: and Lando Malari from Babylon Five, and uh, and they attend this tiny. I don't know. Fun. I don't know how I don't know how they how they ended up at that. Uh, what bet they lost to end up in Fargo? Don't <laughs> this we don't have any listeners thing. in
2: North Dakota, do we? <laughs>
0: Probably. Nah. This is
1: I'm a- pretty
2: sure if you listen if you live in Fargo, North Dakota, you know you're a punchline. Yeah.
0: Okay, so realistically, a lot of times when we make choices to go do conferences, sometimes it's someplace where there's work relevant interest and a customer there. And so that's why we said yes to that, blah, blah, blah. And sometimes it's a smaller venue or a smaller event, you know, like Off the beaten path, place where we just want to go. Maybe we have family there. Maybe we have friends who live driving distance. Like people can have all sorts of motivations for wanting to do a smaller event in an off the beaten path location.
2: Well, Bridget, Bridget, there is such a thing as too much empathy.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, I will say
1: being at those at those two smaller conferences because it was it was OddCon in Madison like the year before, and then ValleyCon valley con in north dakota i mean it was nice you got a lot of you got a lot of in-person time with with the guests of honor i mean because you show up early to his panel Mm -hmm. or whatever and 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 bullshit about the football season you know talk about talk about the giants and the jets because george r R. martin is a is a new york football fan and you know i think the i think the packers had just lost you know since 2000 this is 2008 early 2008 and the Packers had just gotten bounced out of the playoffs by the Giants, and he was in he was in Wisconsin and was giving a lot of grief to the to the locals about the about the Giants beating them in the in the NFC Championship game.
3: Small conferences are amazing. That was I met uh, Ethan Phillips who played Neelix in Star Trek Voyager uh, at a convention that Jen and I stumbled upon in. Um, oh, where was it? It's where Doctor Who gets filmed. Cardiff, uh, Cardiff, Cardiff, in Cardiff, Wales. Uh, we had actually just gone to the Doctor Who experience, and we would stumbled upon a comic convention that was happening <laughs> at the same time. And we had like an hour conversation with Ethan Phillips, and it was amazing. We were talking about quantum physics. <laughs> <laughs> did you try to break
1: into the Torchwood offices by whatever that whatever that landmark is in Cardiff that uh, that hides know, the Torchwood didn't offices? Board
3: didn't want to work for me. <laughs> I just kept slamming into a waterfall. Yeah. <laughs> I think I think we've sewn up
1: our nerd cred by knowing way too much about about. I, I,
2: I'm pretty sure that uh, when we pull these up in the iTunes uh, analytics, we're going to see a steep drop off
0: right about here.
1: <laughs> right <laughs> about.
2: <laughs> well, I was going to say about seven minutes in to the whole <laughs> <up>. <laughs>
1: oh. oh wait, you should come back because we talk about Doctor Who
2: very briefly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh. Oh, so, uh, yeah, next question.
1: <laughs> right. I'm going to put in a brief plug for Delta Studio because um, some of us just want to watch, you know, dumb action movies while we fly. And I spent – Some I spent of us a,
0: work their whole time.
1: I spent a lot of last year catching up on movies I missed going to see in the theater on planes to Europe last year and <laughs> and Australia. Although you hit you hit the bottom of the barrel like a nine-hour flight back from Europe – you run out of stuff to
2: watch and do yeah. really quick. Really <laughs> so is that like their app that you can watch the movies for free as long as you use their app kind of thing?
1: Yeah, you can do that. And now they've started making any movie, any, any, uh, uh, any plane with the, with the little seat back screens. It's now yeah. free. Oh yeah. yeah. They make it, they make it free now. And you can also, you can also join the, you can use your, you can use the app on your phone or yeah.
2: whatever. You'd, yeah. And the occasional watch on a slightly bigger screen. The occasional body on United still has direct TV They try to sell you on the back, but they all have. You can just sit if you have the United app. You can watch, you know, recent releases and stuff. Which, yeah, I should do that more. I just download a bunch of Netflix. So yeah, basically, JJ, yeah. uh, sorry, not sorry for not answering your question really at all.
1: <laughs> um. Well, he has another question. Uh, another <laughs> We're another have one about just as just as many
2: non-answers yeah, to this one. Another
1: one about flying. Uh, what's the best thing to drink when thirty thousand feet in the air? Or thirty five thousand feet in the air.
0: All right. And so like in, if this question is about like booze on planes, I gotta say dehydration mid flight is rookie move. Someone made yeah. that mistake. Which I'm, flight I made, was that? That
1: was that was flying to London. Uh I decided to have times. I decided to have a couple of glasses of wine uh you know with with the dinner they serve you at like eleven thirty at night.
3: I told you
0: not to
1: and i woke i i felt like a dried out you know that scene in in last crusade where the <laughs> guy picks the wrong arc the wrong the wrong grail and just like dehydrates uh right before the woman's eyes that's how i felt when i woke up from from two glasses of wine on a plane you just dry
3: out so yeah. so spark so it probably water with lime the, yeah, depends
2: upon don't. the length of the flight
3: yeah, if you need if you needed to take the like if you're like if you have anxiety about flying, maybe have one to to like loosen yourself up a little bit. But then hydrate, hydrate, hydrate.
2: I also Other than say that, the best I thing Coke and lime. The best thing to drink on a plane is ginger ale. There's only two times you ever drink ginger ale: They're when you have a stomach bug or when you're on a plane. What else do you drink ginger ale on airplanes? Also, don't be you know don't be afraid to just say I want the whole can. Just do it. <laughs> Like It's weird. I've I've seen no rhyme or reason because every now and again, they will do sometimes they? offer it and sometimes don't, so I just say, I want it.
3: Do they not give you the whole can by default
2: on United? No. Depends. Depends on the no, flight attendant. They, def- they definitely don't on Delta.
3: But they will if you ask for it.
2: Yeah, and sometimes they'll say, the flight attendant will say, do you want the whole can?
3: The only time try- I see is, like, they don't give the, the full can on American lately, at least, is when the flight's less than an hour, or like an hour and 30 minutes.
2: Because <laughs> it... They don't want you to have to go to the bathroom. I mean, like, I don't understand what that has to do with this.
0: So, so, Trevor, you said Diet Coke and Lime. Do they, like, squeeze the lime for you, or is it, like, the Coke is in a glass, or do they give you the whole can and then you, like, shove a lime in the can? How does this Diet Coke and Lime work with this can consideration?
3: Well, so they give you the can and your cup.
2: Okay. And so they but get but a they already little, they a give you a lime, right?
3: Yeah. They give you, a, usually, like, a coffee stir skewered with, or skewering a lime.
2: That's for the cocktails, but you can, yeah, they, you know.
3: All right, so.
2: Oh, moving on.
1: Uh, All right. Uh, This question comes from the Pete Chesbot, and and Pete Chesbot wants to know, what is my purpose?
2: So the original purpose of Pete Chesbot was to troll Pete Cheslock. Um, (laughs) It kind of worked. I also think its purpose is to explode, of course. Um, which is, again, if you listen to the episode with Paul Reed, you'd, you'd get that joke. Uh, but just a little quick background on that. Uh, a few years ago, uh, I was at the Agile conference in Orlando um, and uh, was sitting again that this is I'm not name dropping. I just want to tell you the people that were there. Uh, I was sitting at, at dinner with with Fletcher Nickel and with Pete Cheslock, and we were talking about various, like, spoofy, because this is when there were all these different spoof accounts, like DevOps Director and blah, blah, blah. And Pete was talking about how there were a bunch of, like, fake Pete Ches- Cheslock accounts that they were just the names. And we're like, how come there isn't an account named Pete Chesbot? That seems natural. And so, like, I was sitting next to Fletcher, and Pete was across from me, and so I'm just, like, under the table with my phone registering the account. And then I tweet. From it, but I tag you know at Pete Cheslock, and t- Fletcher's laughing, and, and Pete says, "You know what? It concerns me to hear the two of you giggling while my phone is vibrating." Um, <laughs> and then you know I I kind of you know modify forked an existing Markov bot and turned that into Pete Chesbot, and uh, that's been been running for some time, and its its purpose is to cause me mirth and amusement, and also to confuse people to. There's oftentimes in the type ahead in Twitter, you will get Pete Chesbot before Pete Cheslock. And I know Dominica DeGrandis at an event was trying to actually get a hold of Pete on Twitter to find him and was talking to the Chesbot the entire time. <laughs> and that, that was, you know, so that was a little unfortunate. So, yeah.
1: All right. And now we have the, the question that will comprise the bulk of the remaining of the remainder of the episode. Um, <laughs> cause, Cause I know Matt's got some feels about this and I have all the opinions. Um, this is from an unidentified, an unidentified, uh, asker asks, can you buy better quality microphones to make the podcast easier to listen to?
2: Well, the first thing is we actually do have good quality microphones. The hosts do.
1: Can we,
0: uh, can we try to show that microphone? Dia?
1: Yes. This, we have a, we have a very nice oh, Louis, blue Yeti
0: microphone that Stratton sent us. Yes. Not to or, be confused with the whiskey that yeah. Stratton did not send
2: us. Yeah. No, no, so I actually, could send you an something. one, and I, I, I have a I have a Yeti as well. I have some other. I have a Sennheiser. Uh, I have a couple different um, condensers that I use sometimes. But we have we have good as hosts. We have good stuff. Um, the problem is, like, we have no control over our guests, right? And and, and
0: like, even if we switched away from Hangouts, I'm just going to preempt that discussion. Even if we did a whole bunch of
2: who said you're going to things, preempt what I want to talk about? I know. I'm just saying. <laughs> if we did all of but regardless,
0: them, we, so, we couldn't so, solve guest issues without shipping them microphones and maybe insisting on them having hardline internet. Like, there's and things we talked
3: about this over about the, the years. years. We've talked about all of this over the years, and we just none of it has been feasible. That well, there's said, there is off. a
0: lot of stuff we could do, but this is where I'm difficult. I think at some point we will have a rift in the podcast, and it will be people who actually care how things sound, and people like me who are all about the opportunistic ad hoc expedience. And I think it's a it's a giant philosophical rift that's going to lead to somebody nailing things to a church door someday.
2: But I still disagree with the statement that this is about everything I'm talking about has nothing to do with opportunistic.
0: <laughs> it has to do with
2: the fact that you want video.
0: That's true. I am difficult that way.
2: <laughs> so Budget is difficult. If, Film at 11. Yeah, <laughs> I agree. <Yeah. laughs> so there are there and, and this just for as listeners to know that none of these are easily solved problems. Um, and like everything, it's a compromise. And as I've been teaching my sons, a uh, compromise is when you discuss things until you reach a point when nobody is happy. Um so life. Tracy
1: yeah, Jordan that's... said, compromises are for lesser souls. Die, werewolf zombie. <laughs>
2: <laughs> so, for example, uh, if you go back and listen to um, – the episode that I did with with Paul Reed, I keep referring to it, but it's a good example. And mm-hmm. also because the Chaos Slinger episode isn't up. But I'm going to talk about Paul's episode first. So that was episode 97. So in that one, the audio quality is quite high. And Paul and I were in different sides of the country. Now, to be fair, Paul also has a Blue Yeti mic, so he has a good mic. He's but, on his
0: own podcast, so he has good equipment, which makes it. But difference.
2: that's not even his mic from that. But I just want to just follow with me for a second because I'm going to... Um, prove a point. But we recorded that using a technology called double ending, which means what happens is everybody's audio is recorded locally and streamed up as it goes. So if there's blips in the internet, it doesn't affect the audio quality of the recording. So it's as good as record So you don't need hardline internet or something like that because it's recording locally and then kind of shipping it up as it goes. Downside, can't do video. Okay. Now, or live stream. You- or live stream, right, which I think we don't really care as much about live streaming. Anymore. We're live streaming this episode. Bridget, is anybody even watching this?
1: We have one viewer.
2: Okay, yeah, so we'll be sharing. I think, hour. Hour. I think
1: yeah. it maxed yeah. out at four.
2: Okay, so, I mean, it's cool if you guys did, if y'all did, but, you know, we don't really care um, about you. Um, <laughs> now, but to contrast, as you'll also hear when you listen to the episode with Aaron Reinhardt that I'm in the process of editing, so Aaron was uh, literally on the other side of the planet. He was, like, in China, and he's on airPods he was not using a good mic and it is probably one of the better sounding episodes we've ever done if you compare it to if it, even if you compare it to how this one will sound of us with our really good mics on hangouts you will hear that it sounds better um, so but there's and I, I, I'm going to defer and say like Bridget makes good points like the thing that's nice about video is we do have people who only watch us on YouTube. I don't know why, but they exist, right? (laughs) They represent a very small portion of the audience, but they do exist.
0: But they're disproportionately correlated with the ones who come up to us at conferences.
2: I have, they come up to you maybe.
0: They do. They come up to me and they're like, I love watching your podcast. And I'm like, watching my what? Oh, right. There's video.
2: (laughs) We have close to a thousand subscribers on YouTube now, which, you know. Kind of was in there, but we still just to begin put in perspective. Every episode gets about seven thousand listens and gets maybe two hundred views. So, point being, there's there's possibly ways we could we can start to make this work. We're trying to figure out the way that that helps achieve the most, but there's always trade offs. There's always things we can do to make it better. All right, I will step um. in
1: here and say <laughs> that I did some math. I'm um, not my strong suit, but I did some math um we we released uh not counting this episode or the other episodes in the can we released 18 episodes of the podcast this year 10 of those were recorded somewhere other than our living room and offices so you know you kind of have to deal with what you have in the site where you're going to be recording and some of those, some of those were, you know, very nice, very nice setups with microphones and nice recording equipment like DevOps days, Minneapolis, a lot of the DevOps days stuff, we just used the existing, the existing setup. But some of them, like the one year we did the, after DevOps days, Toronto, uh, we just did it in there. Like we found a room with, you know, we dragged all the organizers into a room, stuck them in front of the laptop and recorded an episode so sometimes you have to just record what you can with what you have handy. It's like the old it's like the old saying, you know, what's the best camera? It's the one you have with you. Yep. I've and, recorded, and I, numerous, I've recorded you know, these episodes. I think you're the the most popular episode from last year was recorded on Bridget's iPhone.
0: Yeah, the
1: the one with Brian Cantrell. Yep. The fireside chat with Brian Cantrell was recorded on your mm-hmm. iPhone. Yeah. I mean
0: that's it's So it's, let's
2: put it this way. Everybody thinks they know the solution. the solution has nothing to do with the microphones there's lots of <laughs> other things that would make it sound better there
3: there are there are other issues
2: at play
0: also I and guessed it, on a lot of saying, other people's
3: oh I, go ahead Trevor I was gonna say and it is as you can tell a point of contention
2: <laughs> I don't think it's contention we're just trying to find
3: <laughs> Your the, tone the, says
2: otherwise. no no I, I, <laughs> the other thing that sucks is every time that like I have nothing but good success with these double enders. And then every time I try to do it with Bridget, it goes terribly wrong. So I understand why she thinks it's a terrible idea because she's We've had, had a 50% success. success rate too. So Me? it's
0: not just our podcast though. Cause remember I guest on other people's podcasts from time to time mm-hmm. and I keep having these like, let's use Zencaster and then we go to use it. And then they're like, it just doesn't work. Okay. Like, it works for me. And like their audio doesn't work. And they're like, okay, Skype it is. And I'm like, great Skype. So I don't know. It's not just our podcast. Like this, it seems like hangouts is the least, it's the lowest common denominator of terribleness that almost always works just about adequately for everyone. How's that?
2: <laughs> I, I would, I would, the only challenge I would make, and then we'll get off this topic is Bridget. <laughs> how often do you listen to our show?
0: Um, I did try to listen to the episode that had a lot of content in it that confused me. Um, and, uh, it sounded (laughs) great.
2: Well, I'm talking about when, like, as listening on the, because I do listen, especially the ones I'm not on. So, um,
0: I I should, I should bounce this question to Mr. Editing them. Yeah,
1: I do listen to the, I listen to each episode probably two or three times.
2: Well, I, but I, my, the point, the reason I'm bringing that up is that when Bridget's saying everything is probably fine, I think we need to listen to, to, to put it from the perspective of the listener.
0: Yeah.
2: Well, As, from I'm the perspective of the
0: listener, Joe complains sometimes. Oh, uh, there, are, there are, well, there are,
1: there usually are some issues with Google Hangouts. It, it, it's not the best, but it's kind of the thing that everybody has that you can
2: make work. If you have to have video, you get rid of video, you solve so many problems.
1: Even if you're just, even if you're just doing a, you know, a a quick, a quick recording that no contention uh, that somebody, you know, you just want to do, you're not going to release the. You're not going to release the video, but you just, you know, somebody's got 45 minutes to record an episode. What are you going to use to do that? You're just going to jump on a hangout
2: or you can jump on TriCast. Say, here's your link. There's no software for these other solutions. Zencaster, I don't know why it's so shitty, but it is. <laughs> you know, this is like, awesome. brought to you by <laughs> by, by Casta. You know, I mean, I I, I seriously don't know because I know Hanselman uses it. and It's amazing for him. He must be in the fast lane. Net neutrality, yay. Um, I don't know. Okay, we're, gonna we're gonna just keep now. trying to yeah, make should it better. Ask
0: him about that.
2: And, and so, well. Remember when we tried it that time, and it was like for some reason I was high pitched, and nobody knows why.
0: I've been on other people's podcasts where it just did not work. So I don't know. Yeah. Anyhow. Anyway, yes. it
2: ain't easy is what it's we're not,
0: talking about. It, so for the for the people who. Uh, ain't have, easy
2: out there
1: for a podcaster.
0: Yeah. For the people who have those questions, it's not the microphone. It's my stubbornness.
1: <laughs> Isn't the, that's the answer to most questions. Why <laughs> is it that way? Because Bridget's stubborn. <laughs> anyway, moving on. Um, a listener going by at r4v5, which I'm pretty sure is just supposed to be rave, um, asks any advice for new graduates or folks in their first DevOps
3: roles. What do you recommend for continuing education? So, I guess as the, as the youngest person in the podcast, um, as as is frequently pointed out, I'll I'll start with the answer here. Um, so, I would say it's probably a little cliche, but go to meetups go talk to people go go do things you'll you 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 don't know if that person you you meet at the meetup is going to ask you to join a podcast and that you'll be continuing to do that 4 years later <laughs> <laughs> after several jobs and getting deeper and deeper into the devops world um a little bit more serious and less self-serving answer don't blindly accept the status quo of places you are or will work or will be a lot of positive change is ignored or forgotten because people are used to the things being the way they are and nobody questions them. Uh, I've seen places where there was a mandatory two week waiting period from some random thing that happened six years ago that nobody was actually there anymore. Whoever even went through whatever it was that happened, there was just a two week change period that was there for a reason. And nobody asked why. And the reason probably
0: didn't even exist anymore.
3: Exactly. And so suddenly there's this this two-week dead period that they could just get rid of. And suddenly things went two weeks faster. So just don't don't accept the status quo for the status quo. Be willing to challenge.
0: I I think that's a really good point, too, because especially if people are – New graduates or folks new in a role, they might think that they can't question or that they can't necessarily contribute when there's people who are more senior who have the answers already. But coming with fresh eyes or new ideas, you can challenge a lot of things that maybe people got set in their ways for no good reason.
2: I'm going to I'm going to turn that on its ear and say that actually my experience has been the exact opposite, which is not that new people right out of school are afraid of telling you how things could be better. But actually, they need to shut the hell up sometimes (laughs) and learn and remember that they have. I mean, this is true of any time you go into a new role, to a new job. And I made this comment. I've learned this the hard way many times is when when you start a new job, this is the problem you go through the interview cycle when you are, your ego is stroked beyond belief because it's there. Everyone is so excited for you to come join the organization and wow, Joe, we can't wait for you to come on board and we've, we were hiring you cause we've got all these problems and you're going to come and kick ass and crush it. Right. And then what happens is you're going to get there and they're going to be like, no, we don't want you to do anything yet. Right. You're going to come in with your guns ablazing and everything's going to go terrible because you're the new asshole that's coming in and, trying to do all this stuff. And so, and then what you learn is you come in guns a blazing and piss everybody off. And then you learn, you should shut up and open your ears for a little while and learn how things work and then offer that. So my suggestion is to sort of temper what, what, what you're just saying, which is don't be afraid to challenge, but learn context. Don't your first move. Isn't challenge challenge with context and with, with flavor of where you're coming into, because There usually is a good reason that things are there, or at least there was a reason you should Mm -hmm. understand it and um, learn what you can. And then, but, but don't be afraid to, and what I would put it this way is challenging to me is more about asking questions. Yeah. The best way to challenge is not to say, don't do that. Do this differently is just say, why do we do it this way? I mean, that's, this already has happened to me. You know, I'm just, by just asking, hey, it's my first day type questions. I've had a couple times where people go, ah, yeah. shit. That's a good <laughs> question. I don't really know. I guess we should fix that, you know, because okay. you do have a set of eyes, but that fresh set of eyes is one that should be questioning, not um, correcting. Don't Perhaps. come
3: in and assume you know everything. That wasn't yeah. what I meant by <laughs> challenge the status quo.
2: Oh, uh, yeah, I, but that's uh, <laughs> I was just some, some color. I think um, another thing, if you're if you're new in these roles again it's always about learning is is the the sooner that you can kind of uh find someone who's willing to be your mentor that helps a lot and and the best mentors are someone who are a couple who are you 10 years from now i just made up that number by the way <laughs> but don't don't get someone who is just the next rung up the ladder from you to be your mentor because that's they, they've only gone through the one transition, but you want someone who has been where you are and who is where you want to be several times down the road. And you may change that. Yeah, and try to find a couple
3: mentors because, yeah, you, you know, you may find different they,
2: right? Exactly. For
3: different things that you want to skill up on, things you want to understand, things you want to be better at, um, you know, because you will find that some mentors will, will come into your life and other mentors will leave your life. Um, or leave the same job you were at two weeks later,
2: or Um, I, I would also make the recommendation if you would like to, um, to have somebody, but you don't, you don't go to somebody and say, Hey, Bridget, you want to be my mentor? You know, because that's like a big thing, unless you have like a mentoring program in your company and that's a thing. But usually when I think of the mentors I've had, they always start by just something like, Hey, you know, if there's someone that you, you think would be, you know, is is in that position of, hey, this is me five years from now, and I want to be able to learn from them, you can approach them and say, hey, would you be willing to sit down with me and have a cup of coffee? Or can we, you know, brown bag together at lunch? I want to ask you a little bit about your your career history or this challenge or whatever, you know, because putting on somebody, hey, be my mentor, that's, that's at, never do anything that looks like you're asking somebody to do more work. They probably, you're asking them to do more work. They probably won't want to do it. But ask somebody to talk about how smart they are. Everybody wants to do that. You know? Well, and another so, way to
3: build yourself up too is um, after after different events or circumstances or projects. Don't be afraid to ask for feedback from your colleagues. You know how did how did I do in that meeting? How did like how did that like how did that approach I took make sense? Like get feedback about what it is you you just did and get it while that's still like current and something that recently happened to kind of get your own uh, feedback loop so that you can continuously improve yourself. Okay. Next question. Um, Alex Garcia,
1: Tomas, Thomas. I know that looks like Tomas to me. uh, Asks about the difference between SRE and DevOps and how to get into both of them.
0: Okay. So I'm going to, I'm going to point out that SRE is a job title and DevOps is a cultural practice and I know people love to put DevOps on all the job titles, but, um, DevOps is about collaboration, um, across your organization. So like, I guess I would say the difference is one is a job that you do. And another thing, another one is something that you do at that job.
2: Yeah. it's how you do your job. I like that.
0: Um, in terms of how to get into them, like, I've written a blog post about this, but I guess the TLDR is you probably are going to have to do some learning on your own because there aren't necessarily academic programs that funnel you into this sort of thing. Stratton, it sounded like you wanted to, to contribute. Yeah,
2: to I that. mean, I think the, the the tricky thing is, again, it's, it's kind of, uh, you know, learning how to operate systems at scale by yourself is kind of hard, right? So one of the, one of the ways to think about it is look at organizations that you can help from a volunteer perspective, which again, aren't going to be, you know, high scale. Um, But even getting the chance to kind of get your arms around some stuff, it's the same, same way, you know, people don't turn away free work, you know, or, or, you know, free help. So any, any way you can kind of kind of get into that because even if you don't, and then you just sort of have to get in small. And I've got news for you. Your first job is not going to be being an SRE at Google. Sorry. Not sorry, right? Yeah. Pay your dues.
0: Like there's, there's a lot of places that you can try out some of these practices that aren't necessarily the biggest places on the planet. And it's probably a good idea to try some of the uh, you know, places that aren't the biggest place on the planet first.
1: <laughs> All right. Moving on. We got two questions left. Um, this one is from at Garth K party on Garth. Um, what hot tools or techniques should you not attempt to use? If your ops headcount is genuinely zero.
0: Okay. So hot annoys me. Um, so that I will refer you to Alice Golfus's hilarious tweet where she talked about, um, when people call computers sexy, I imagine someone humping a monitor.
3: Yeah.
0: Um, So like, I'll read that as trendy, like trendy tools, techniques, et cetera. And I think the answer there is obviously you should use tools because you need them. Like Charity Majors has gone on some great rants about how the best tool is one you don't even need. And like the next best is SaaS. Like picking tech because it's trendy is great for resume driven development and terrible for your employer. So like you should not be selecting technology to use in production, um because it made the front page of Hacker News. That's a that's a great way to get yourself page in the middle of the night.
2: And and I know, I mean, from, from, from Gareth's question, and he, he had said like in his in his comment, he said, you know, he's been tilting at this windmill himself. So the question, you know, what shouldn't you attempt to use if your head count is generally zero is anything that requires someone who knows ops, then don't do it. It's and I know this isn't helping you, man, because <laughs> but it, it it is sometimes as simple as that. If to be able to leverage it requires a knowledge, an operational knowledge, and again to go back to charity, like ops is a skill, right? So if you don't have ops headcount, then yes, to Bridget's point, sass that shit up. If you don't is, have ops headcount, you don't get to have systems. Well, you get to be you, servers. There's right?
0: there's actually a lot of really great stuff that you can do by gluing together components at your IAs by using platform-as-a-service offerings, by using every single thing that you can decompose into, a this is SaaS someone else does. Yes. There's um, Heidi Waterhouse, for example, um, is a developer advocate for LaunchDarkly. They are literally feature flags as a service. So even if you're thinking, oh gosh, it's going to be really difficult to support doing canary releases because we just don't have the operational you know overhead we can't handle the overhead to do something like that. There's a there's a SaaS for that. <laughs> like there's a SaaS for many things you might not even think there's a SaaS for.
2: There's so, someone willing to take your money.
0: There's someone to willing to take your money, and a lot of them are actually good. So right, right, it's definitely yeah. worth looking at. So I feel like the question was kind of phrased negatively in terms of what should you not attempt to use, and I answering it, you know, just straight up, I'd say. When you start borrowing trouble in the form of um, creating a ton of complexity by making, for example, a whole bunch of tiered microservices and a lot of tricky interdependencies between different parts of your stack, like watch out for something like that. You know, Facebook scaled pretty darn big with a PHP monolith. So like, you don't necessarily have to. Try to use every single thing that you hear about or read about or that made the front page of somewhere or that was the top conference talk at somewhere. Like All those things aren't necessarily going to help your organization reach its goals. So figure out what those goals are and then use the minimum viable complexity to get you there.
1: Already then. <laughs> <laughs> Summing like, up, what tools should you not use? The answer, tools. <laughs> all of them. Yes. DevOps Kosh says, (laughs) what tool should I use? The answer, yes. Another Babylon 5 reference. All right. The final question of the evening. A listener asks, ops people at my job aren't interested in automation. In fact, at times, they are afraid of it. How can I get them engaged? Am I missing certain knowledge to get accepted? How does one fight against the fear of automation in this age?
2: And go.
0: Let's
1: hear: so,
2: <laughs> so here's what it boils down to. If you are afraid that automation is going to replace your job, then you probably don't provide value to your organization. you better find a new goddamn job, because it's happening. right? Now the thing is, generally speaking, automation is not a headcount reduction practice, and if that's the way your company's approaching it, they are going to be in for a bad, bad day. What it's doing is it's an efficiency thing, right? It's saying there's lots, way better, better use of your time. Than doing these manual tasks. So what I look at, so, uh, so listener, when you're saying, I can't get people really interested in my automation, say, isn't there anything you'd rather be doing? Is this the extent of the value? Now you're going to have to think about how to wordsmith this better. Cause you know, your cranky sysadmins better than me, but the gist is, is, is doing these tasks manually. Is this the absolute extent of the value you can provide here? Isn't there something cooler you'd rather do in this organization? What would you be doing if you didn't have to do these things? So you start bringing that up and start getting them to think that way. And then they're like, well, yeah, I'd rather do blah, blah, blah. Or I also ask them, like, what would you be, you know, if we had if we had more people in your team, what could you be getting done? Because that's the way that they think about it. They're like, well, we have other shit we would like to do, but we don't have enough people on the team.
0: Well, and and the- I, as I spent enough time as a cranky sysadmin that I could also add, when you say to the cranky sysadmin, well, what does your backlog of tasks look like? Like how long would it take you to actually finish all of the burning and maybe just kind of aspirational desires that you have of things you want to accomplish with your systems and your infrastructure? And if they have a giant backlog, and I don't tell me they don't, they have a giant backlog of stuff they want to do. It's like, hey, what if we removed some of the tedious, repetitive work so that you didn't have to do that anymore? And now you could tackle the giant projects you've been wanting to do.
2: There's also the part about this about being afraid of automation, and that's where you give the opportunity to be empathetic and ask and do active listening to understand what are they actually afraid of. Are they afraid that the automation is going to run rampant and make a mistake? So think about how can this automation be built in a way that it's test-driven, that you know, you're know you treating your infrastructure as code if that's the appropriate uh, mechanism, that you're, you're testing changes before they're made, and understand that actually automation provides less risk then manual change. Oftentimes that's what will happen. Oh, well, if we let, you know, chef do this or puppet do that, then it's just going to go fuck everything up and blah, blah, blah. And it's like, well, you're a fallible human too. And you can go fuck up a bunch of shit too. Right. (laughs) The the difference is we can't test to see because puppet will do it the same way every time (laughs) your practice run, you might do real good and then you might screw it up in production. Chef's not going to do that. Right. So, kind of helping that understanding, right? Is that, hey, you know what? Robots will only do what we tell them to do. Humans will do it differently every time because we're we're fallible meatbags. And you, you may know? have to
3: pepper some of this in too with, with small projects that show the value of automation, not only to those grumpy sysadmins, but also to leadership, so that the leadership sees the value in the automation and helps drive the change from that angle as well. Yep. And then as a, as an absolute last resort, and I've been told recently this came from somebody else, but I first heard it from Steve Murawski, change your job or change your
2: job. That was Nathan Harvey, I think.
0: Yeah, I think Nathan Harvey was, he I, said I think that. That comes much. from
2: Nathan's talk, the uh, the you should quit your job talk. That makes sense. <laughs> but either way, that's okay. Steve Murawski stole, stole the In Flight Magazine comment from us too. So he's just a big plagiarizer.
0: no. No, totally.
2: I'm just kidding, Stephen, if you listen, but you still are. Stand
3: on the shoulders of giants.
0: Yeah, I I, I think probably the most valuable thing to take away from that is that we're all listening to and learning from each other, hopefully. So steal something from this podcast, say it at work, sound smart.
2: Hey, you know, Steve Jobs said good artists copy, great artists steal. Right there, maybe maybe that was him stealing that from Picasso. I think actually. <laughs> uh, so yeah, thus proving the point. Quid pro ergo? <laughs> oh, Joe, I do not envy you having to edit this episode. <laughs>
3: <laughs> Once again, it's gone three times as long as planned. Do we have a goal for how short it's going
0: to be when done?
3: It'll be like five minutes.
1: I, really, <laughs> once we be... take out all the all the digs at like other cities and
2: states and like <laughs> other random random listeners, it'll be about five you minutes. Know, long. Do you know how hard it is for me? And and God bless, I love the Des Moines group. They are really awesome. I have to say this because I've met them at events and stuff. But and as someone who lived in Des Moines for a hot second, I felt like I could do it. But I used to make I used to use Des Moines as my common like you know like there's not a DevOps day's stays Des Moines. And now there is. <laughs> except now there, is. now there is so DevOps Days Fargo is next <laughs> is my new one okay so if you'd like to hear us being self-indulgent about our show in the past, in past uh, iterations you can listen to our 20, you know we have our 2016 year interview, which is at ArrestedDevOps.com slash 2016 in review also you can go to ArrestedDevOps.com slash 2015 in review if you want to hear the 2014 show it's at ArrestedDevOps.com slash a year of ADO uh, community and event stuff. Some upcoming conferences and uh, open CFPs. Velocity San Jose is in uh, June. Their CFP closes at January 17th. Uh, link in the show notes or you know, Google. There's this thing for finding stuff. Uh, ScaleConf in Columbia. Wow, that's cool. ScaleConfco.com. The CFP is open now, closing uh, mid-January. Um, ChefConf 2018 will be in Chicago where I live, and so does Trevor, apparently. Uh, Go to chefconf.chef.io. CFP is open. It's closing in the middle of January. And uh, if you go to devopsdays.org slash speaking, there's a whole bunch of open CFPs. I know because I just submitted talks to like 15 different conferences last week, so there's a (laughs) bunch of open stuff. ADO 2018 probably it'll get you 20% off a lot of DevOps days once we tell everybody what the new code is, but it will get you for sure 10% off at ChefConf. If you go to restdevops.com slash 2017 in review, you'll check out the show notes for this episode. Hopefully we'll remember at least half of the things we promised to put in there. Uh, You can sign up for our newsletter, support us on Patreon. Uh, If you go to restdevops.com slash iTunes, leave us a review in the iTunes store. I throw that in as a shout-out to Kote, because he totally made fun of us for asking for iTunes reviews once before.
0: But he does so, that, too.
2: I know. It's irony. <laughs> Did
0: he it's get delicious. it from us?
2: He <laughs> yeah. I mean, get it from being a podcast. Um, and, hey, if you want Arrested DevOps stickers, you can get them yourselves at com slash stickers. Uh, you have to pay for them, but they're cheap, and we don't make any money off of it, so pa.
0: I will have to go look into that and then complain because they're too big.
2: That's what I usually do
0: about stickers.
2: Our like, stickers are a really good size.
0: I don't actually notice. I have no stickers on my current twelve um, inch. Oh, laptop.
2: oh, I went. I went super simple. I mean, I did. I went away from the like my skateboard in the nineties look, <laughs> and I just have like the Breakathon sticker, which is a Pager Duty thing that we do, and then I did like the simple black cutout shadow cutout of the TARDIS on the bottom and that is all there'll be no other no other branding on my laptop
3: I just have my ship idea
1: sticker by way of comparison that's the
2: that's that's what I got that's what I
1: got going I just added one for escape escape games escape games Wisconsin because we did an awesome escape room when I was home for Christmas
2: so there well, I just got really upset because I had stickers that weren't just from events, but actually were personally meaningful. And then I had to turn that laptop back into Chef when I left. And I was like, well, then why would I do this? This isn't a thing that I own. You know, well, I should put if they're meaningful, I should put it. So now I put them on my suitcase.
0: Well, that's cool. No, this is a personal laptop. I just... Got it last summer and have not gotten around to putting stickers on it. I think it's like I collect stickers, and then I kind of lay them out in a grid and know what I want the entire thing to look like, and oh. then I put almost all the stickers on at once.
2: That was my and last outfit, one, late. that got stolen. I
0: had a few later. Yeah.
2: but Yeah.
0: Anyway. So, yeah. So,
2: stickers, so. I will
0: look into ours, and then I will complain about them being too big. And we're going to have to get some because every
1: time, you know, we run into people at a conference, you never have stickers to give out. Oh,
2: my God. Well, I will tell you this. So there's only two two stickers you can buy on the store. You can get the classic, which is the the like square black one with the logo. And yeah. you can get one that very few people have seen, which is a spoof of the Arrested Development logo. It's a very, Bridget, you would like. It's very small. It's a small oval. What you it's can't well, buy. confuse me. Excellent. What you can't buy is this one, is the clear Ooh. shaped one because they don't do those in that small of a run to do individuals. But those are the ones that if you ever do see Bridget or Trevor, myself and I have done a reload to any of us, those are usually the stickers that we might have with ourselves. So um, this was the green room podcast that actually just happened. I'm pretty sure that entire conversation about managing our sticker inventory with each other can probably get cut. So oh, you don't tell me. you're, the, you're not my real dad. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs>
0: on the other hand, I think people might enjoy this.
2: So I mean, <laughs> one I, way to find out. Like,
0: my favorite part of software-defined talk is when they're discussing Costco, okay? And I don't even go to Costco. It's just entertaining.
2: So I, I'm going to put this in here. If you found the discussion of our sticker inventory interesting, please tweet us at Arrested DevOps and tell us so. <laughs> Okay. With that, you want to take us out,
1: Joe? You, you, you bug her at a conference, and she'll maybe.
0: And I'll maybe ask you to pre- to go find <laughs> to
1: go find go into my bag and find find a sticker, yeah. which has happened. Anyway, wrapping up. I'm Joe at Joe Lehe.
3: I'm Bridget at Bridget Cromhout. I'm Trevor at Trevor G. Hess.
2: and I'm Matt at Matt Stratton. We're arrested DevOps. And remember. There's always DevOps in the banana stand.